Shri Guru Vaishnava Guru Parampara Ki Jai Shri Krishna Janmastami Mahamotsubhati Ki Jai Gaur Bhaktabhinda Ki Jai Gaur Premanandi Good evening. Long day, huh? Yeah, yeah. And so we'll, we've heard some discussions, kirtan, uh, fire sacrifice, and um, another discussion now, followed by the sacred bath, Abhishek, for the Govardhan Shila, representation of Krishna, and then there'll be the Arctic at midnight, and then Prashat. Hmm? And we start over in the morning for a half-day program, celebrating the appearance of Sri Pujapadesiva Vigadanta Swami Prabhupada, who appeared the day after Lord Krishna. Hmm. So that is our topic this evening, appearance of Krishna. He appeared at midnight, on a Wednesday actually. It doesn't fall every year on a Wednesday, but it has this year. Hmm. And so for the discussion, we turn to Srimad Bhagavatam, where the auspicious appearance of Krishna is poetically uh, described. And as I've many times said, poetry is a good language uh, for uh, attempting to express such an ordinary thing, um, that being that the unborn is born, uh, the timeless comes within time. Uh, it's rather extraordinary, and um, it doesn't entirely fit between the ears, so to speak. And poetry, by contrast to math, which is a descriptive language that lends itself to the idea that we can control things, hmm? Uh, it's the language of science. Got it from the Indians. According to Einstein, we wouldn't be able to do any science without zero, which comes from India, the concept of zero. Um, and Indians seem to be good at math. They're quite prominent in the IT industry. Um, nonetheless, they're better at poetry, at least from times gone by. And... Uh, and and the math of ancient India was the, was what we call Vedanta, hmm? looking at things objectively, and their objective view of the of the natural world led them to believe that there's something viewing the world and it's not natural. It's very different than the natural world, hmm? and that's what's worth talking about. Let us only talk about the natural world to the extent that it it serves to uh, uh, assist us in the pursuit of the supernatural of which we ourselves are constituted. Hmm? And so for that, um, we need a language that stretches the, the, the picture a bit hmm? because we're going from the world of full of impossible, impossible, impossibles 
to the land where impossible is not found in the lexicon. Hmm? That's a big uh, difference. Hmm? So poetry, song, they kind of do that. They stretch the world and um, make it do things that, that our minds and intellect will not allow them to do. In poetry, then, uh, as I've said, so then the moon can have wings and fly across the sky. Hmm? So, from the point of view of the Vedanta, of the Bhagavad, which is a, a book of Vedanta and Bhakti, Bhakti, Vedanta, it means it's a book that speaks about the underlying canvas, as I like to say at times, on which the art of Krishna Lila, which is the prospect of the soul, hmm, the land of uh, where there's nothing impossible, is is drawn. It's drawn on that canvas. So um, we weave back and forth between these two things, looking at the world objectively, hmm, finding the self has a place there, which makes it feel out of place. And um, and then speaks in such a way as to really address that sense that, well, the world seems to be in order and work pretty systematically. Things do seem to be rather um, ordered and and well well designed, if if you will. Incidentally, the argument from design was was not one that was is is Hindu, <laughs> incidentally. But uh, but at any rate, uh, the, the the as much as that may appear to be the case, in from from one angle of vision, there's a lot of design. Even in the DNA, there's so much order and so forth. Um, the building blocks, as, they, as it's thought of, life. Uh, um, that said, something seems out of order. Hmm. Something seems um, out of place, and it's us. We're <laughs> we're always. Why aren't we, you know, just as comfortable as the rest of the natural world? Hmm? Uh, why doesn't everything just work for us, just like it does for? The other species of life within, within, within limits. Everyone has to die. That's part of the natural order of the biological cycle, and so forth. But we feel somehow out of place, hmm? and so this was very. This was then based on experience. The Vedantins, the, the rishis, sages, they posited this whole idea that um, consciousness is different from matter because they felt what's different between us and the rest of the natural world is that we're aware of ourselves in a way that we that 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 is um, well considerable and the question of why we exist and for what purpose and is there a purpose and there feels like there's a purpose and there's a meaning because we're a unit of meaning and value that gives value to matter. So we felt, we feel, they felt like this. And so they reasoned, this is not just some faith, I mean, it's not saying it's based on experience, their experience was, and this is the general human 
experience. Freud called it the oceanic. They call it the oceanic feeling. A lot of my patients have this oceanic feeling, so I can't relate to it. The feeling that you know there's something more. Hmm? And of course, we like to say it's you. You are the more. Hmm? And this is what the rishis thought. So they, hmm? so they 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 wrote about it, and they sought to write about it in such a way that it appears to stretch the natural world through poetry and through song. It was the best way to to talk about it, hmm? because math would be limited because it's a descriptive language, and this is something that that escapes description. It escapes, transcends measurement and containment and and controlling. Hmm? Um, so such a language is is is, is not uh, so suitable. Hmm? We use the language to some extent, but as Marge was speaking to me the other day and pointing out Ashram Marge logos is not complete. We need what is it? Pathos and creos and uh, ethos. ethos. Chaos, <laughs> so, a little less than in Greek there. Uh, and the Greeks were from the West, but where the West touches the East, actually. Hmm. Some communication between you know, our Western civilization comes from Greece, but Greece had this undercurrent contact with the East, as it's thought, with India. And some of its greats were astounded by what they found there. <clears throat> so, um, this Vedanta uh, is the heritage of the world. If, as much as humans should be or are concerned about consciousness, this is certainly a good place to look, to explore the topic. Hmm? Um, through the writings of persons who posited, based on experience and human intuition and sensibility, that there's something just doesn't quite fit here, although everything seems to fit. I don't quite fit. And uh, maybe it's a social issue or a psychological issue, or they said it's actually a spiritual issue, and there's something spiritual. Hmm? And you're of that nature, which is supernatural, not of the natural world, and so we should pursue come up with a discipline for exploring that, for finding that. Hmm? And and arguably, uh, they have. How is that? Because however we adjust the material situation, whether it be physically or psychically, in other words, we, whether we adjust our physical situation, we redraw the borders of our countries, hmm? we call ourselves now... We're going to be California, you know, an independent nation or something, or the Northwest, we'll call it, just the upper part, the head of California, so to speak, the heart of California, and the Northwest, or something like that. So, we, you know, we, however we draw the lines physically, nationally, hmm, uh, at the you know folly of the Redwoods, who've been there for thousands of years and seen the lines drawn over and over again in so many different ways... Uh, uh, with false claims of proprietorship. However we draw the lines nationally, however we draw them physically, if we feel, I'm a guy in a woman's body, I need a a sex change. Uh, You know, that's also possible today with the help of science. We can make that significant of a physical 
and also psychological, I guess, with uh, uh, change. I guess the psychology is there and the physiology is not. So we can make a change so sophisticated as the, as the modern science for the purpose of tweaking the thing physically hmm, that it might work. So he becomes a she, but still it's not quite, you know, then she needs another a he, and he needs to agree that I'll take a she who was a he. <laughs> and then there, there's a social issue <laughs> involved, and then is it going to be legal? Or, you know, and, and, and all kinds of problems we have. We have psychically, uh, psychologically, I mean, or physically, we, we try to tweak the thing that we can just feel at ease. And what we find amongst the Vedantam, the Rishis, the Yogins, hmm, the devotees, hmm, is that they actually found that peace. Hmm. This is very practical. Hmm. Everyone is looking for just tweaking the thing just a little bit. They feel just a little, or quite a bit, out of place. <laughs> just not quite you know, there. Uh, and uh, then, of course, they, you can reason to be happy, and that's just the way it is. It doesn't work perfectly, and so we'll be happy with, with unhappiness. That's like the people who in jail become attached to being in jail when it's time to come, get out because they found you know, they got a little comfort in a, in a cell. They get, it, they get a couple of buddies in there. and <laughs> yeah. So we, we, we are pleasure-seeking by nature, so in our situation, whatever it is, we'll gravitate towards whatever pleasure there is in there and then become attached to it. But really, we're pleasure-seeking in an, in, a, in 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 measure that has no limit. How happy do you want to be? Well, pretty happy. I'd like to be. How about completely happy? No, that's not possible. Still, those who agree to that or or come to that conclusion, still on a micro level, they're constantly tweaking their life. The guy says, "Well." You know, let's not be you know silly about it. You, everything's not going to work out, and we're not going to be fully comfortable. And and so there's no use trying for some ultimate comfort and fulfillment. That's, this is just the nature of the thing. So I'm not interested in that. I'm not wasting my time on that. Meanwhile, the fact of the matter is, from day to day, from moment to moment, he or she is continuing to tweak the thing and trying to always make it better and so forth which is all, from the Vedantin's point of view, overwhelming evidence that something is out of place. You might think something is missing, but, man, we've got pretty good science and technology to, to, to bring things to the, to the equation. Hmm? We can change our sex, which is a pretty huge. Um, there are probably other th- extraordinary things they're doing. We could clone somebody. Maybe he'll be happy or something like that. Uh, <laughs> So uh, we, it's pretty strong evidence that that it, is it is it evidence that something is missing, or is it evidence that something is out of place? Hmm? So the Vedanta said, no, nothing is missing, but something is out of place, and it's us. Our place is not um, to be. We, we're not part of the natural world. We're part of the supernatural world. We have a part of the natural world that's that's very important. And if we could know the, the difference between ourself and matter, we could be stewards of the natural world in such a way that the natural world would also be very pleased. Hmm? 
and as happy as it as it could be, if you will. Hmm? It could be, uh, we think, more plentiful, more abundant. Hmm? And there's a way in which the, that even the material world could become as good as it could be, and it is uh, by human beings going in the direction of what they are by nature, spiritually. Hmm? And therefore there are descriptions in the Bhagavatam of of a plen- plentiful types of material um, situations. And there's a, there's a prospect that even if you want to make the world better and have there more, the conclusion is this is the way to go about it. Hmm? And, the, and, the, and the, the, the basic idea of that, of course, is, like I've often said, if you love someone, they'll tell you all their secrets. So if you, if you love nature, hmm, then you don't try to use nature for a very small purpose that you conceive of between your ears of what life is about. Hmm? The small world of your mind that has its happies and sads and goods and bads that differ from the happies and sads, hots and cold and good and bads of others, put us at odds with one another. We're competing for the material resources to satisfy the mind's demands and, and struggling with one another. And nature is just like not appreciating it very much is, is, is the idea. So, And, and there's, a, there's a good number of people in the world today, thoughtful people who who feel that way, that the the technological developments in society have not a silver lining, but a lead poisoning lining that that, uh, could be catastrophic if if, uh, if allowed to, if if man, humanity I should say, is allowed to pretend to be God and dismiss the, the actual Godhead. He will make a very poor show of it to to change his attempt to change the nature of nature hmm, is potentially uh, catastrophic, hmm. um, and so the debate you know, rages on. Um, uh, and of course, we are on that side of it that we should we we are stewards of nature. We have some role in overseeing nature, working with the natural world, but but within limits and in such a way that that. That we will be um, good stewards, and we, it, w- it will be loving, so to speak, not extinguishing the species and uh, and polluting the airs and so on and so forth. Um, that's uh, so. This is the approach of the Bhagavata, the devotee. Hmm? It's a very, um, very, very pragmatic, uh, very. Um, Something not theoretical, not uh, fanciful, um, not a departure from reason, but reasoning about the nature of the human experience. This is what they did. They sat and reasoned about the nature of the human experience and concluded it's different. Hmm? It's different. And why? Because that consciousness that is life that animates the world, that is in all forms of life, in trees and plants and animals, is is coming to the fore in human life hmm? in a way that it has questions about itself. Why am I? Is not a question of the natural world. It's a question of the supernatural world. So they concluded uh, that this should be answered, this should be the primary concern of human society. Hmm? To answer this question, and the, and the solution to the problem of our discomfort in life is not that there's something missing that we should add, but that we're out of place. It's a, just a whole different approach. Modern community thinks something's missing. Let's add it. Hmm? 
let's let's change it, let's let's alter it, and so add from it, subtract from it, change the nature of nature. As I say, change your country, change your your gender, change your political affiliations, um, change, change, change. Prabhupada used to say, this is the problem with Americans, they always want to change everything. Hmm? So is our discomfort, will our comfort, discomfort be the problem of our discomfort, the, 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 the kind of anxiousness of human society, that, 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 that sense that everything seems to be in order, but I seem a little out of place, I'm not quite entirely comfortable and fitting in in every situation. and So is that a question of needing something more or, like I say, adding something? Or is it a question that, that something's out of place, that you're, in, you, you, you're not in your, nat- your natural environment? You're supernatural. You should be in a supernatural environment and view the world from a supernatural or... Mm-hmm, um, that's kind of a... Sounds like a heavy term. You're supernatural. <laughs> you think of a better word for that, paranatural or, or something. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So this was the idea of the rishis, and and there's a whole you know lineage of this for thousands of years of pursuing this present day problem in a very different way than the modern uh, community tends to pursue it by, as I say, adding something on. And scientists all and technology as valuable as they, uh, as they are, relatively speaking, are all geared for this, in one sense. Finding the missing thing that will add something to your life, change it, tweak it psychically or physically, and you will be happy. And the Rishis concluded thousands of years ago, that isn't going to happen. <laughs> That's not going to work. Mm-hmm. The problem is, we're not matter. We're consciousness. Consciousness and matter are ontologically different. So we have to have a different pursuit. And again, so the language of math, which is a descriptive language and it lends to controlling, was not thought to be very useful because they were pursuing something that couldn't be controlled, that was beyond the logos or beyond logic hmm, and math. And the best language would be to speak, talk about it in, in, in even the natural world, poetically and in song. It would stretch the world and make it more... Uh, such that it would fit with you who who belong in a world where there is no uh, impossible in the dictionary. Hmm? So uh, uh, now that would be thought in the modern world as kind of a fictional world, hmm? a fantasy world, an escapism, something like that. But again, this, this idea is underlined by considerable uh, philosophy and very strong reasoning as to the the basic idea that there's a difference between consciousness and matter. Matter, all manifestations of matter are here today and gone tomorrow, and something is observing this ever-changing material phenomenon. Consciousness can't be denied because or dismissed because the act of dismissal requires consciousness. So it's like the idea is it's foundational. It's at the bottom of everything. It's causal. Everything's coming out of that. Hmm? You can't get away from consciousness. Even Sam Harris, a famous atheist today, um, he, um, he said not long ago, he said, I'm, I do have a problem, more or less, he said, with consciousness. He said, we can say and, uh, that consciousness is reducible to matter 
and it's just a product of the brain and, uh, and so on. So we can, we can talk like that, but more or less he said, like I said earlier in our discussions here, you, you can't walk that. He said, you can say it. You can say all that and sound very scholarly it would be and, and, and reasonable um, in some circles. He said, but you know, it's like saying some circles are square. Two and two and two, he said, equals seven. You can say it, but it's really hard to make sense out of that. Hmm? That consciousness is, you cannot say consciousness is not foundational hmm? any more than you can say, I am dead, and think you're making sense. Hmm? You understand? That makes no sense. I am dead. So it's the same idea. You cannot say, it's consciousness that's saying it. Hmm? So this is this is it, it, the problem. Of course, is that, that this is difficult to realize. We can theorize, but we can speak about it. It can make sense. But the means to go from our identification with matter to consciousness proper, it takes a lot of commitment. That we call sadhana practice, and it's a lifetime of practice. It takes a lot of commitment, and. Um, and and, and 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 the attainment is rare. It'll happen hmm? in good company. It will take time. Hmm? But uh, uh, meanwhile, there is this prospect that possibly in the immediate, very quickly, you could just add something, <laughs> and it will all work. And so the the you know the world's kind of talking, add me, add me, something like that. It appears hmm? the when the when we have this enjoying ego in pursuit of making ourselves comfortable by adding more than the world seems to say, add me, take me, pick me, enjoy me, take me. Hmm? Of course, it, 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 it doesn't happen. It's been going on for centuries and centuries, and, and we are the most developed, sophisticated, materially um, well-off. I mean, we are in a recession, we were, or something like that, and, you know, I didn't miss a meal. Uh, you know, I mean... <laughs> You know, claiming about, I mean, some people have lost jobs and so forth, but I mean, the poorest person in America is rich, you know, compared to, uh, as you know, people in some third world countries and so forth. Hmm. Um, so, we are opulent. We, it couldn't be a better example in one sense of, 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 of the effort to add something to bring that, that uh, to solve the problem of our feeling somewhat out of, out of place. And it's not working. Hmm? And so we should. And meanwhile, this idea of the rishis, spiritual practice, and so forth. Yes, it's long, old idea. It's addressing a current issue. It's been around for a long time, and there are some successes. Hmm? We tend to ignore them because they just don't fit into our. Uh, yes, he was a you know, mystic. Maybe he was. And maybe that was just they just exaggerated about him after he left and posited miracles to him and so forth and, and so on. But regardless of what miracles may have been, you know, added to to by way of saying this person is important, we should, you know, listen to him, follow his example. It's possible that people exaggerated like that. There is even a, a form of literature that, that, that lends itself to that and expects one to do that. But what they're doing in that by, by literary license is exaggerating and attributing miracles to the person, uh, you know, uh, 
uh, for the purpose of bringing attention to the person who, who obviously and without a doubt attained the miracle of being at peace. Finding, not, not feeling out of place. As we all do, to one extent or another. Who could sit peacefully. They say, you know, don't just do something, sit there. Or no, don't just sit there, do something. And we say, there's a book like that. Don't just do something, sit there. If you could just sit there. And they could just sit there. This is powerful evidence, I want to say, empirical evidence, as to the, the idea that the problem that we feel, the discomfort we feel, the, just, the, the, the extent that we feel a little out, a little out of place, socially, psycho, psychologically, physically, I'm too fat, I'm too thin, I, I, I've got psychological issues, I can work psychically, I can work physically... Or, I got political issues. I need to change my party, change my country. Uh, all, all, all this is just a symptom of the overriding discomfort that is a result of consciousness being identified wrongly, mistakenly with the natural world. This is the and and here, as I say, we have examples, few of them, and far between, but they stand like I said the other night, like like great lighthouses on the shore guiding us to the land where you can actually get your fir- feet firmly on the ground. Hmm? Now you're just bobbing in the middle of the ocean. Hmm? Oh, yeah, it's, it's uncomfortable for sure. <laughs> and that, and that, like a lighthouse to say, there's, there's, there's the shore. Hmm? Come this way. Hmm? And so even if, they, even if we say, okay, for argument's sake, let's accept, authors exaggerated about them. This point they did not exaggerate about. Hmm? They may have attributed miracles, and maybe not. Maybe they did perform miracles. But anyway, all for, we can say, okay, for argument's sake, for bringing attention to people who actually found, uh, solved the problem, the overriding problem of human society. Hmm? The problem is not there to the same extent in animal society or plant society because consciousness is not coming to the fore to the, in the same measure that it is in human society, where we become self-conscious. We become aware that we exist, and, and there's a problem with it. Hmm? So, these, now we're going to discuss from the Bhagavatam, we're going to hear about the appearance of Krishna, which is one of these extraordinary uh, events of the timeless entering in with, within time, the unborn taking birth. Uh, so, again, they've used a very poetic language to uh, speak about it and make these kind of uh, important uh, points to us. Hmm? And, um, and, and I say, there's this, this a good theory, reasonable theory as we're presenting, and more than that is the compelling example of however few and far in between they are, if there's one, hmm, she should be followed. If one person, hmm, by this method, by this discipline, by this orientation, could find that. No one has found it the other way. Hmm? And, I mean, they really, they find it really, really, they can actually be peaceful within, without any external 
necessities and so forth. I mean, it's very extreme, the examples we're talking about, of comfort. It's really beyond comfort. It's, well, it is a huge, the swasukam, the, the, the joy, the ananda of the self is like a huge relief. Like I was saying the other day, the whole thing is over. The struggle is completely over. It's ended forever. That's unbelievable. That, that this, this is the beginning of real, the real the beginning of real spiritual life, and what prospect of joy and happiness and, and comfort is just not even a good word to use. It's way beyond ecstatic life. The self is born to taste. Hmm? So. I mean, this is optimistic. Hmm? Even while it has a very pessimistic tone to it about the prospect of finding anything that even remotely resembles what we're after, after in the context of material pursuit and acquisition. We find that pessimistic because we're kind of like still buying into the advertising hmm? that, that add a little bit more and that you're going to be there. Hmm? And, and meanwhile, this says, give it all up. And you'll start to go in the right direction. <laughs> Whoa, that's a, that's a tall order. But there are tall people, like I say, standing on firm ground. Even if few and far between, they may be, but even if there's only one, that is enough. Speak loudly to us. I should go in that direction. And yes, it may take time. So what? Hmm? I'm going down. I'm, what is the difference between going down a long road and a dead end? Hmm? Does it matter? The longer the road, it doesn't matter compared to a dead end. Hmm? And that road is long and winding. Hmm? Long and winding, but it's, it's, it's not narrow. Hmm? It's broad, accommodating. Hmm? And not only does it not have a dead end, it has, it has no end. Hmm? It has no end. So the journey is... The destination, we do bhakti for bhakti's sake. Giving is the getting. And we can say it, but, but we need to experience it. We need to learn the art of giving. The art, that is yoga, the art of loving, actually. That's what it is. Hmm? And so this yoga reaches its zenith in, in, in the idea of bhakti, the heart yoga. Hmm? Here we're communicating with our, with our, with our source in a way that is... It, it, Speaking his own language, so to speak. Hmm? Um, so we have to learn that language. Here's some of that language in the Bhagavatam. So we turn to the pages of the Bhagavatam to enter into the 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 the, 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 the story of Krishna's appearance. So I'm going to cite some poetic verses here and uh, speak about them to begin with. These are verses that describe the quality, if you will, of the time of Krishna's appearance. So we, we often think of time quantitatively. What time is it? How much more time do I have? How much time do I need? How much time am I out of? Uh, and so forth. But this, uh, in Vedanta, in we find in the Bhagavad an emphasis often on, on, on the quality of time. So... Um, uh, the quality of the time is described as Sukugacha. So the naked boy, Sukadev, spoke to the king. This part, he came to the narrative. Now, we were talking about the Brahma Vimohan Leela. This is later on. This is now the birth of Krishna. Hmm? 
in the world. He says, Ata sarva gunopeta kala paramashobhana yarhi eva jana janma riksham santaraksha graha santraksha graha tarakam. Sukadev said, uh, but Ata sarva gunopeta. Hmm? So then, that time, Sarvagunopeta, he said, all Sarvaguna, all, all auspicious uh, 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 material signs and, and qualities uh, manifest. So again, he's talking about the quality of the time. It, 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 everything became like showing its best side something that's best face within the natural world. Hmm? Uh, kala parama shobhana. Shobhana, parama sh- shobhana means beautiful. So everything became auspicious and, and extremely uh, pleasing. Uh, like if you could think of one like really pleasing evening that you, you just remember back, that was so nice. And, 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 and not just like, it was like the whole world became like that, something like Everything, every aspect of of, of the uh, of the of the time, hmm? and yarhi eva ajana janma riksham shantariksha grahatarakam. So here is a reference. Now, this is what's happening on Earth, and there's a reference to the heavens. Hmm? So it's an astrological kind of reference. There's a sense that there's a there's a, there's a unity t- between the, the correspondence between the heavens and the and the uh, and the earth, hmm? um, and so he says what that at, at so and at that time it really means that the he ajana janmariksham hmm? the yati then at that time the unborn was born. Hmm? This is. Uh, Ajana Janma, this is a, like a name for Vishnu who has no no birth. It's also an indirect, this is an indirect reference to the to the uh, nakshatra or the, the star, the constellation that was presiding, if you will, over Krishna's birth. There's a thought that in the poetic um, uh, texts that it's that the, the the birth star, if you will, of the of someone should not be mentioned directly but indirectly, hmm? if at all. So here it's mentioned indirectly. The the stars, of course, uh, the constellation is is Rohini, hmm? and um, so someone who is born under Rohini will have beautiful eyes. Like I said, hmm? they will be very uh, romantic. Hmm? And uh, they will, t- the strong point, they will tend to live in a fantasy world, hmm? a mythological type of artistic uh, outlook about, about things. <laughs> uh, uh, they will be uh, good with women. <laughs> and, uh, uh, and, and also very much um, uh, grounded at the same time to the earth and a sense of uh, fertility and the bounty of the of the natural 
world will thrive under that influence and under the stewardship of such a person under that influence. And so if you go on about you'll find it, it, Krishna's qualities very much correspond with the astrological influence that he's said to have appeared under. The, the symbol, if you will, the, uh, of the, of the uh, Rohini is the red, red bull, red ox, pulling, pulling the cart. Hmm? Um, so again, it's this, it represents bounty on earth, plentifulness, and at the same time being uh, kind of uh, beyond the earth, in the world, but not of it, something like that. This kind of a person is our subject, our, our person, the birthday we're, we're celebrating today, who is, and it says here, He's unborn but born. This is the, uh, the Brahma. We're speaking about the Brahma Vimohanlila. Brahma is the god that presides over this uh, Rohini as a progenitor. Brahma said to like expand the world and the living entities and so forth uh, at the, ta- the dawn of each, each cycle of creation. Hmm? So, um, uh, 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 our sampradaya, our lineage, comes from Krishna to Brahma, and he plays an important role in a number, number of ways. So, uh, uh, in this way, the, the, the text is describing the astrological um, moment and corresponding um, uh, natural surroundings. He says that Disha prasedur ganganam Nirmaladu Ganodayam Mahi Mangala Bhuyista Puragrama Prajakara Nadja Prasana Salila Hrada Jala Ruha Sriya Dvijali Kula Sanada Satpaka Banarajaya Banarajaya So he says in all directions, there was, basically he says here, in all the directions, north, south, east, west, northeast, southeast, south, up, down, everything was auspicious. And there is, is a, a, a contradiction here, he says. It was the monsoon season, but the way he's describing it are all the symptoms of the spring. So it was the rainy season, but... The rain stopped, and it appeared as if spring. So spring is, of course, the, 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 the season of, of love and new beginnings, auspicious beginnings. Everyone feels like, okay, you know, here we go. It's, we're starting over, and there's great prospect and hope and, uh, in, 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 in springtime. It's time to get married in, in spring, you know. As so uh, the word means spring, you know, <laughs> something like that, I suppose. Uh, that you can you can jump and be successful and and touch the stars something like that. So while it was a monsoon, it appeared like the spring. It says here, while it was night, it appeared like the day. Jala jala ruhu shriya means that lotuses were blooming in the in in, in the lakes. So lotuses they don't bloom at night; they bloom in the day. So he's saying day became night. Hmm? Night, night become, became day. Uh, the rainy season became like spring, and he's saying he's basically saying the, all such possibilities. This is again, we're entering in the world where impossible 
doesn't exist. And he's stretching the natural world, and and and, and we're if we follow, it, we feel more comfortable. Yeah, I, I like that idea more. That feels more more comfortable. I, I'm going into a land where there's not impossibility, not these limitations that I constantly meet. I'm trying to change the scenery and uh, make it better, but here I, I enter into into the underlying substance the world arises out of consciousness itself. And there I find, after all, the world is full of, as we said the other day, miracles and, and things that are, we can explain how they happen, but why they're like that. <laughs> there is no answer to that. Mm-hmm. So, it, it, it is like a miraculous kind of description of the times. Vavau, Bayu, Sukhas, Parsha, Punya, Gandha, Vaha, Suchi, Agnayas, Chad, Vijatinam, Shantas, Tatra, Samintata. So here he says, well, uh, again, he's saying that we became like springtime. He's saying, and the 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 Dvijatinam, those are the Brahmins and sages who light uh, the, the the sacred fires and perform sacrifice and so forth in worship. All their fires lit. Hmm. Their, their fires just ignited, something like that. And this is also very different than what had been transpiring. We'll have to get to that because what had been transpiring is they were having difficulty lighting their fires, and there was. There was an irreligious, uh, adharmic kind of uh, in, environment under the rule of the of, the, of King Kangsa, and uh, and religious people were being discouraged in their pursuits. Hmm? Um, again, because Kamsa was bent on finding, uh, on killing the eighth son of his of his sister, and uh, so it's. A, it's a, it was predicted that it would happen, and so Kamsa was trying to control the situation hmm, so that uh, he wouldn't be killed, as the oracle said, by the eighth son, by doing away with the eighth son, who was going to be religious, and doing away with religious people who might aid and abet him or something, and assist him, and so on and so forth. So he was creating a very uh, inauspicious, spiritually speaking, a very materialistic uh, environment hmm? where spiritual expression was not um, not uh, fostered, encouraged, and so forth. So this has suddenly changed, and all their fires lit, and so forth. Mamamsi asan prasanani sadhunam asura druham jayamane jane tasmin nedur dundu bhaya samam. So. Uh, further idea, the rishis' minds, they all became peaceful, like, he, like it was the Dwarpa Yuga, from the Hindu perspective, he said, it became like the Treta Yuga. In the Treta Yuga, the mind, minds were all peaceful and, uh, and in comparison to the Dwarpa Yuga. So the Yugas changed, everything changed, all, all, all possibilities hmm, uh, were... Uh, Occurring, what all the impossibilities that we th- we see with our uh, conditioned uh, perspective, materially conditioned perspectives, that we're all being um, transcended. Hmm? This is what happens. The point is what when Krishna appears in your life, that prospect. Hmm? It's very, as I say, very 
very optimistic, <laughs> very, very encouraging. Hmm? Um, and then, of course, the actual nishtite, nishtite, tama utbhute, jayamane janadane, devakyam devurupinyam, vishnu sarva guhashaya, abhirasijita pracham, dishindur eva pushkala, Devaki Devarupinam, one of my nieces wrote a beautiful um, musical composition. This is one of the verses. Nishtite Tamaudbhute Jayamane, you know what? Jayamane Janardane Devakyam Devarupinam Sarvaguha Vishnu Sarvaguhashaya I can't do justice to it, but very beautiful composition. What was her name? Karnamrita. Hmm? Right? So this is, in a nutshell, this, 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 this song describing the appearance of Krishna says what? That Mumuchu Munayadeva, the demigods, the great saints, and showered flowers in a joyous mood, clouds gathered in the sky, very mild, thundered, making sounds like those of ocean's waves, like in an auspicious way, like a concert. Nature was putting on a, 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 a concert, um, an evening uh, concert. And Vishnu, seated, see, who is seated in the core, Vishnu hmm? Sarva Guhashaya, seated in a, in a cave, Guha, and is hidden in the core of the heart of everyone. He's there. Vishnu as a witness, hoping that you will turn towards him, something like that. Hmm? Otherwise, he sanctions. Go ahead, you have your independence, do it, but if you turn to me, things will be better. So, who's situated in everyone's heart, he hmm, uh, appeared in the heart of Devaki, hmm, in the dense darkness of the night, like the full moon rising on the eastern horizon, because Devaki was of the same nature as Krishna. So he says two nice things here. He says that like the full moon, hmm, Krishna appeared. Of course, it was the eighth day of the waning moon. Hmm? But Krishna's appearance made the moon happy, was the idea. So the moon swelled hmm, like a full moon, even though it was in the eighth day and, 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 and waning. Again, this is poetry, way of saying this was very hopeful. Hmm? Uh, optimistic prospect uh, coming coming before us with the appearance of Krishna. And Devakyam Devarupinya. This is the most important line here, I guess. You could say Devakyam Devarupinya. He appeared in the heart of Devaki who is Devarupinya. Hmm? Who, was, who was spiritual like him. Hmm? So if we want to meet Krishna, we have to meet him on his terms. If you want to enter the fire, well, you have to become like fire to go in there. Hmm? So Krishna is, is that source of consciousness that we're the spark of. We have to understand ourselves as the spark, and to the extent that we do, not by a rational exercise, but a, but a reasonable exercise that brings us to faith and commitment uh, to transrational exercises. That's what we call sadhana. Hmm? This is the best use of intellect, to do sadhana. If you actually are convinced with your intellect there's a difference between consciousness and matter and I'm consciousness, not matter, then all of your intelligence should be used to, 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 to pursue that through 
practices that that are that transcend reason because reason is material. The best use of it, as I say, is to use your head to soften your heart. That's what Sodom is about. Spiritual practice is about softening the heart, hmm? becoming from an atrophied condition to a liquid kind of moving uh, 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 pliable uh, hmm, um, position, hmm? something like that. Put your hands, yourself, in the hands of of Krishna. So, Devaki was like Krishna. It means it means she was she had received the seed from Vasudev. This is Diksha. We had we did the Diksha this morning. Some of our students were initiated. This Diksha is analogous to, allegorically speaking, that this is the birth of Krishna. The same idea. The Guru gives the seed of Bhakti. Devaki represents Bhakti, which is the womb from which Krishna takes birth. Hmm? As we said earlier, before the birth, now, uh, Kangsa, the king, he was, it was predicted that the eighth son of Devaki would, would kill him, so he went on a campaign to kill all of the sons of Devaki. He took Devaki and her husband Vasudev and put him in prison. That prison you can go to, that jail cell is preserved in India, in Natura. Hmm? Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's a really nice place to go, and um, you know, it's thousands and thousands of years old stone jail underneath and so forth. So there, there they were, and uh, locked up. And each of the children of Devaki were brought to Kamsa, and he was slaying them. Hmm? So Kamsa, he 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 was very preoccupied with Krishna, in fear. We could be preoccupied for different reasons. Um, this is not the best one, but preoccupation one way or other with him would be good in the long run. But he was preoccupied out of fear. Hmm? And we all live with some fear. What I was speaking about earlier, that discomfort that we feel, it's a, another way of saying it is anxiety or fear. We have some apprehension. It's not quite working. We need something just a little bit more. And sometimes we feel, okay, but then... So then it could change in a minute. So, so the how to you see the beauty of bhakti is that it, it it takes this very thing as the problem and teaches us how to use it to be part of the solution. Hmm? So we have to take that fear hmm, and become a little fearful in a healthy way of what the six previous sons of Devaki represent. There's a seventh son that wasn't killed. We have to talk about him before Krishna. He's very important. Hmm? But six were killed. They represent, in one sense, they represent the six that, they, that uh, smell, taste, touch, sight, sound, and mind. Hmm? Six senses of apprehension or perceiving. Hmm? Mind is the central. We were asked about mind last last night, I believe it was. Mind is that component of the internal organ that manages the senses. Like the senses are like depicted like horses, five horses, and the reins are the mind. It's supposed to manage that. Hmm? Um, so, it's like the sixth sense, we say. So all six of these, we should have a healthy fear 
of the objects that correspond. Thought is the let's say thought is the sixth one. So, um, th- th- we, 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 uh, our contact with sight, objects of sight, objects of sound, hmm, objects of taste, and so forth, are what take us into the world and cause us to identify with the natural world and feel a little out of place. And so we have to do that, obviously, to some extent, to live and to perform our sadhana, but um, we should have a healthy fear of, of letting them, those horses, run on their own, hmm? and the reins going out of control. You're going to feel fearful on that chariot, if you will, uh, and uncomfortable. So uh, we should have a healthy fear that, that, that in our beginning stages of sadhana, hmm, causes us to look at our spiritual prospect of going up by way of looking at what we need to let go of that the, that the thing can... It was kind of like a like a air balloon or something. You, know, you have to take the things off and the weights off, and then it just goes up naturally, something like that. Hmm? So, so, so a little bit of sense control, a little bit we live within certain parameters, and so we're given by, by our guru... Hmm? And we, we, we do touch the things, we do smell things, hear things, but we tend to try to do those things all in relation to Krishna. We take the food first offered to Krishna, we taste that, we smell that, we, we, we offer uh, beautiful flowers to Krishna and then smell them. We hear songs about Krishna, for example. So we're using all of these instruments, as other people would, but in a way that they're taking us within. And we're a little cautious, we have a little, we're a little on guard, if you will, like Kamsa, we're a little fearful, but not of Krishna, but, uh, but of these uh, sense objects. So we are, in one sense, to slay them with a healthy fear. I don't mean a neurotic fear. I say, okay, I'm going to give up everything now, and uh, I'll never hear another song, and, or whatever. You know, that might be hard if you have. So, hmm, to gradually move in that direction systematically could help to live inside the parameters given by our, our guru and so forth. And guru, who's that? Those six sons are all these things that I mentioned. Things by which we think we can become fulfilled by tasting, by smelling, by, by touching, by hearing, and that we may know by thinking. Hmm? But the lesson is, no, you don't see because you have eyes. You don't hear because you have ears, and you don't know because you have thoughts. All these things get in the way of seeing and hearing and knowing. The soul is the experiencer. Matter is not the experiencer. The soul is. The atma is. It's a unit of experiential existence. And it can experience, it is experiencing independently of the filter of the senses and mind and so forth, which is giving us a myopic picture Therefore, yoga is about transcending mind and the perception of the senses that creates goods and bads, happy sads, and that are only relative to your own mind and senses. There's something else to somebody else, maybe the opposite. You see, there's only a relative thing. So to transcend that, hmm? it's a basic idea in spiritual life. Hmm? And then you can really smell. And you smell good, too. And you can taste, and you are the taster. You are the smell. You are the hearer. You are the knower. Hmm? You are a unit of knowing, hmm? existing and loving. So, 
so to to control these things, bring them under control, harness them. Hmm? This is yoga, and so these are the six sons hmm? that were killed, and they were they were so they were first in the womb of Devaki, and so the seventh son, seventh son is Balaram, the brother of Krishna. The partial manifestation of Balaram appeared in the womb of Devaki. What is his role? He's he's the manifestation of Krishna that represents Akanda Guru Tattva, like the reservoir of the of the, of the Guru Tattva. Hmm? He's like Krishna, but but always serving Krishna in every way. Ram, Nityananda Ram, always serving Krishna in every way, manifesting as his shoes, as his umbrella over his head, as his Brahman thread and, uh, for Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, so from top to bottom and middle and there. In, in every we we talked about him at, at length on 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 Baldev Purnam hmm? on the full moon that just passed, which is the day of his appearance. So he is rep, rep, Guru me is like representative of, of of Balaram. So he he comes and cleans the heart of any of a, makes enough room in there hmm? that what you've been bringing into the heart through your senses and through your mind. He does some sweeping in there. Guru's like a sweeper. He goes in, he does some sweeping. Hmm? Makes it clean enough, prepares the ground. Balaram is also depicted as a, a carrier of the plow, an agriculturalist. Hmm? So he, he, he prepares the ground of the heart for planting the seed of bhakti, hmm? which will give birth to the appearance of Krishna. Hmm? So, uh, uh, so as I say, our diksha initiation is tied to this uh, allegorically, metaphorically, to this whole story. It has, uh, of course, the prospect of entering into the, the, the so-called uh, myth and story and so forth, but by understanding the philosophical implications of it. We can go to that land where everything is possible. We can become like Devaki Devarupinyam. Hmm? We can become like Devaki, it means Devaki Devarupinyam. Devaki was divine, hmm? and so divinity appeared in her. You will have to become divine. There was a story, Ram Krishna, not, not part of our lineage, but he used to say that, that a salt doll, a doll made of salt, wanted to taste the ocean. Hmm? What did it do? It had to be, you know, it entered the ocean, it had to become the ocean. This is the task. We are consciousness. Hmm? We want to taste what is consciousness in a full, we have to become conscious. And when we are conscious, we have to become, we have to let, let go, we have to dissolve hmm? the, 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 the present form and egoic sense of being. This is a real challenge. Sacrifice. We're going to do a sacrifice, and it's you. <laughs> it's us that will be on the altar, and that's what we do. And the fire, this symbolic. You put the banana in, and so forth. You say, "Swaha." This means I, I throw everything I have, all my resources, everything, into the fire, hmm? and and then it will come out in a new way that will actually work for me. Because on my own, it's not working. I'm tweaking it and twisting it and adding to it, subtracting from it, and it's not exactly working. Let me just throw it into the fire. Hmm? So 
This is the spirit of that. Of course, it just doesn't happen in one sitting in the fire, and so you know, we have to work at that. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a long, uh, long road, but well worth traveling, right? To go from where it's it, it's impossible to to you know, it's like musical chairs, and and then you're out, you know, quick, 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 get a chair, and then they're out. He's dead. Next one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. So, of course, to come back, but and this keeps going on, so to end all this and more, hmm, this Krishna Leela is meant to help us. It's a very powerful um, story, the birth of Krishna. This is only a very, just a fraction of it. Hmm. He appeared in the prison house uh, of Kamsa. It's described, and he appeared in, with four arms. Hmm. So a form of himself that was full of majesty before Devaki and Vasudev because they had a certain kind of love for Krishna. That, it, that within it, the component of knowing that he's God was present. Hmm? So, from the Gaudiya perspective, we say, yes, Krishna is famous as Devaki Nandan, the joy of Devaki, the son of Devaki. All over the world, he's famous. This is the statement in, this, in, the, in the Upanishads, Devaki Nandan, hmm? Devaki Putra, Krishna. Hmm? So, uh, uh, Jashoda, Jashoda, she lived in in the Braj. Mathura is in the city, and the Braj, the Vrindavan, was the rural area connected with the city of Mathura. Hmm? And um, her husband's name Nanda. This Ram, who said Balaram, who first went into the womb of of Devaki to make, prepare the way for Krishna, after several months. Was seemed to be have been a miscarriage, hmm? and then Krishna was the seed for Krishna was placed in there. But what happened was Krishna had arranged that his his Shakti, Yogamai would transfer Ram from Devaki's heart womb into Rohini's, hmm? another wife of Vasudev, who was a Brajbasi. Hmm? So the full form of Ram. Is 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 um, uh, from the pastoral lila. Mm-hmm. We're talking about Krishna being born in the city lila. Mm-hmm. So that these uh, the object of love, Krishna, changes slightly according to the nature of the transcendental love. So some love him with the in a, in a, in a, in the city, and they have a greater sense of his divinity. Mm-hmm. And it, sometimes he shows that and it gets in the way of their getting close to him. So this is a form of Vaiti Bhakti or ritualistic Bhakti mixed with rag. Hmm. And we go to the, to the rural area and it's pure rag. Hmm. So what's going on there at this time? So there we have, this is then the secret uh, kind of Gaudiya insight into this very, uh, we were talking about the Brahma Vimohanlila, this place that Brahma thought, well, what is this place? This is a very extraordinary, secret place, where Bhagavan is called Swayam, where it means he wants to be, you know, himself. He wants to relax. So he's got to be around certain people that uh, he can just be himself. Otherwise, he, there's expectations of him. He's God. He should be doing extraordinary things all the time. And sometimes he just wants to be himself. Hmm? And be with people, you know, be be with those who he can. He 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 
he doesn't have to uh, perform in any particular way, something like that. This, this, is the, this is the idea. And that's, if you think about it, where we all want to be with ourselves. That's where we feel the most comfortable. Hmm? And even someone who's worked hard to be somebody then tries to be nobody by putting on sunglasses and wearing a hat in the public. And I wish I could just go to the movies and people wouldn't be hounding me and, and the paparazzi, you know, chasing me with a photographer. I worked hard to get to be somebody, and, but and now I want to be nobody. <laughs> that, this is the idea of Krishna. Hmm? Hmm? He wants to be nobody. Hmm? It's more fun to be nobody than it is to be somebody. Hmm? That's, uh, this, is, this is our practical human experience. And we, this is another attempt to try to add things on. I'll get all those things. I'll be in the limelight there. I'll be everything. And then, then I, you know, they commit suicide or whatever. Or they overdose or, you know, whatever may be the case. Uh, or they try to, you know, be a nobody again. Hmm? Um, so there's a lesson in that. That, that we shouldn't endeavor too hard to try to be somebody. You are special. Hmm? You are Satchitananda. That's pretty special. Hmm? And you don't need anything to realize that. In fact, you need to let go of a few things. That's easy. <laughs> to get the things, that's hard. To let go, that's hard too, because we struggle to get them, and then we're really trying to get more out of them, and think, there must be something there. <laughs> I paid for this thing. <laughs> it's got to work. You know? uh, so... So, so Krishna is exemplifying the very. As I say, it's very close to the human heart. The human experience tells us much about what life is really about. Ultimately, hmm? we have to examine it closely, very closely. And this is what these rishis, the sages who wrote, uh, penned the Bhagavatam, like Vyasa, where they really examined the human condition. This isn't some added-on type of theory and so forth. They looked and they said, "This is our human experience," hmm? and. And 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 so they th- they thought about consciousness, as I said, and and and, and, it, and it, they realized consciousness is looking to be, to know, and to love. Hmm? And they reasoned, well, it, it is a, it is a unit of being, knowing and love. It's a unit of being because it's different from matter, and therefore, it's not constrained by time and space, like all material things are. All material things have a time and they have a space, right? Hmm? One time they won't be there. Hmm? Their space will be taken up by somebody else, something else. So if consciousness is different from matter, then it's not ruled by time and space. That means it never began and it will never end. Hmm? And if it's if it's ontologically different from matter by way of being an experiencer rather than experienced, which we experience, like I said, the most profound experience we have is that we experience, which makes us different from everything else. We should band together and think we're experiencers. Wow. We're all one. We're all, you know, we're all the same in that way. Wow. What is the nature of being, being what does it mean to be an experiencer? How does it solve so many problems in the world? So it brings so much unity. Hmm? So that means that experiencer means a knower. Hmm? So they said, well, self is a unit of being, enduring being, sat, chit, it knows. And and it seems to be in pursuit of love, 
joy, the pursuit of joy. Hmm? And the way it seems to most think or feel in its material you know, condition that it will be happy and joyful is in a relationship. That's the general idea. Hmm? Anyway, so this is the, the, so they just looked at the natural human condition and they and they came to the, their conclusions. Hmm? And of course, you take it further. This is a, this is really an argument for God from consciousness. They argued consciousness is ontologically different from matter. It's constituted of satchidananda, being, knowing, and loving, hmm? in a small atomic size, hmm? if you will. It animates the world. And the world, as the machine starts, it's enamoring, and they can lose sight of themselves in, 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 in light of the show that, of, of, you know, that they've turned on. Whoa! And so it's like a virtual world we're kind of plugged into. But the Rishis want to say, you can unplug from that virtual world, get out of your seat. There's so many things that you can do. And so, so and what, and what is the thing you want to do? You want to love. And so what did they conclude? Hmm? They conclude that we are living to love, and love will be more than just knowing I'm eternal. That'll make you happy, but love—that means that 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 you that you're full in yourself. You don't have to take from the natural environment, so you're not a taker. But not taking, as I often say, is not the full face of giving. Hmm? And so they said there has to be then logically a consciousness other that you could, significant other, that you could repose your loving propensity in. It can't be matter. That won't work. Hmm? So within consciousness, where we went from matter, there must be, we are a spark of that, which is evident by the fact that, well, although we're a spark of light, we don't light up the whole world. Hmm? We're still in ignorance. Hmm? So, we can get out of it with help from above. So go above, and that help is affectionate, kind. It's generous, compassionate, and 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 loving. So there must be a God, hmm? whatever you want to call it. There must be a perfect object of love that's constituted of consciousness, that's the full face of being, knowing, and loving. Hmm? And they went there, they found that, and they described him like this. He looks like this. He does like this. And we understand all the things that are ascribed. You understand this is what they're talking about philosophically, theologically. Hmm? So for Krishna to be uh, so, uh, so, so anyway, Krishna went as I was saying from. Uh, well, he was born in the city, but meanwhile, in the pasture land in the in a, in a rural area. Hmm? Uh, Something else was going on, hmm? and there was a connection between the two. When he was born in the prison with four hands and all, they went, oh, Krishna. And then they said, you know, Kamsa's going to kill you. They went, were going between, back and forth between, I'm your mother and you're God. <laughs> I'm your mother, you're God. <laughs> I, I'm your mother, you're God. So Devaki said, could you make like a two-hand form so that, you know, they won't know that you're God? And then he won't attack you. you know, this is kind of her, like, you know, bewilderment. <laughs> she was, like, bewildered by uh, and, she, and so he assumed a two-armed form. And then Vasudev took him out of the prison, and all the shackles, his shackles opened, the, 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 the watchman fell asleep, the doors opened. He went out, the Jamuna 
the sea opened. Hmm? The Jumuna, it's like maybe where the Christians got that idea of uh, the Red Sea opening, something in front of them. And, uh, and they, he crossed across the Jumuna. It was a storm. Hmm? storm had come by that time. He crossed across the river, and he took Krishna to his, um, uh, more or less in extended families of the, of the time, his, his, his kind of like cousin, brother, Nanda. And what he did was he secretly took Krishna there, and meanwhile, this Nanda's wife, Yashoda, was having a child. She was pregnant. Hmm? So she had a, 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 a child, a baby girl, hmm? and Krishna was placed there, and no one knew. She, she had, the mother had passed out from labor, and, and, the, and the girl was taken. So Vasudev took the girl and left Krishna, hmm? was the idea. Because it was said, well, the eighth son of Devaki will be... So he thought, and Kamsa will wake up in the morning, and Devaki will... Eighth, eighth child was a daughter. No problem. Hmm? And in this way, my, my, my son will be safe, with, and so forth. So, this is one way, of course, we're looking at it. But those devotees in the Ragmark, hmm? from Vrindavan, hmm? from the village, these kind of devotees, they know that Krishna in his full form of, like I said, wanting to be himself, hmm? like we all want to be just like relaxed and kick back and, you know, we can just, whatever, you can belch and nobody will say anything. It's okay, you know. <laughs> uh, so whatever. So, <laughs> so uh, he, 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 this is, this is, the, this is the, the place that corresponds with the l- love that gives him that facility can show that kind of face and be his complete self, a complete lover, so to speak. So, so in that place, of course, as I said, Yashoda was pregnant. Hmm? Her husband was the king of the cowherds, and she was the queen of the cowherd village, and everyone was very happy with them. Hmm? They were, he was one of five sons, Nanda. Nanda means... It's the, from the verbal root, non, means bliss. Hmm? So Krishna's father was bliss, and he had a brother named Sunanda, Nandana, hmm? um, Upananda. Uh, so they were all forms of bliss, is, is the idea, <laughs> the whole family. And, uh, and so uh, everything was beautiful in the Cowherd Kingdom. Everything was just wonderful, except as time went on, there was one problem. And the problem was that Nanda didn't have a son who would be the heir to the to the to the to the, to the cowherd kingdom. So uh, it was a concern, and Nanda said to Yashoda, "The problem is this: every time I think of conceiving, hmm, I get this picture in my mind of a son who's more beautiful than Narayan, who's God, and then I know, well, that's not possible." And so then I lose impetus. Hmm? And then Yashoda said, same thing happens to me. Hmm? Whenever I think of conceiving, I get this picture of a child who's more charming and beautiful, like Narayan, but more charming. More. And then I think, that's impossible. How can you have a son more beautiful than God? Hmm? And I, so they, they, they consulted, what, what should we do? Hmm? They said, well, let's, let's take a vow 
for one year will perform this uh, vow for the pleasure of Narayan. So they, they did this uh, vow of maybe like only drinking milk for a year or something like that, living only on milk. And so that it required very much that their senses were very controlled. So this is to show us that they were actually super yogis and you know, uh, while they were appearing uh, to be ordinary village people and so forth. So they very controlled their senses and then and worshipped Narayan and tried to conceive a son and just, you know, just not think about it. Hmm? For the pleasure of Narayan. And then, shortly before the birth, Narayan appeared before them and said, I will appear hmm? in a form more beautiful than myself. And so they, wow, what was that? They shared their notes and, and so forth. And then suddenly, this very controlled Yashoda, who was sent, I mean, he had to perform his vow for a whole year, all of a sudden, in the later part of it, she started feeling like uh, like she needed pickles and ice cream, as they used to say in the 50s when, when I was born. Hmm. I don't know how they say now, but you get some kind of appetite, apparently. <laughs> you know, whatever. It's, uh, so, uh, so she wanted to eat sweets, hmm? um, milk sweets, Ladus and Burfi and all and 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 and, very, and this is of course the diet of Krishna. He's like a real enjoyer of sweets and so forth. So the implication was Krishna's appearing within her, and so she's having this appetite that's extraordinary relative to to Krishna's um, tastes and so forth. And uh, so then the news is going that Krishna Nana is going to have uh, you know a child. In those days, of course. Uh, there was no mammogram, mammograms, you know. They had the premonition and the vision from Narayan, but they didn't share that with anybody. And, of course, then she seemed to have a daughter, as I said. But if you study the texts very carefully, as our sadhus in our lineage have, woven within the Santri's text is, is the... Is the, is the uh, underneath the surface is the teaching, because this is a hidden area. This realm that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu has opened the door to, of Krishna, God, just being himself, is, Brahma said it in his, in his Samhita, what did he say? He said, Golokam iti bhajay shaita dvipam tamaham golokam iti yam bhajay shaita dvipam tamaham golokam. This is a very, very few rare people know about this place. And this is very extraordinary, this, this, this theological, spiritual possibility. So, uh, so hidden in the text, they, the, the knowers of this, who are on this path, who experience this, this realm, they said, it's written right here. here. You would have never seen it. It's written right here. They, they, the, the daughter is called uh, Anuja, and so it's pointed out that Actually, she had twins. She had a boy and a girl. And when Vasudev came, he only saw the girl hmm, and took the girl. And by the time Yashoda woke up and the community tended, they said, oh, it was a son that was born. Hmm. They didn't know there were two. And, 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 and of course, the idea is that Krishna in, in, in the city is a particular manifestation of Krishna where his majesty is uh, manifest more, as I mentioned. And that is a partial manifestation of his original self, and that was brought back to Vrindavan, merged into the original Krishna, and Krishna was actually born 
really born. Because, you know, come on, nobody has a four-armed baby, right? So, in other words, it's completely human-like in the Braj Lila. And they really think that Krishna is one of us. Hmm? He's a Brajbasi like us. He's from here. Hmm? Sometimes he does wonderful things, but the astrologer at the time of his name-giving ceremony said, this boy will perform wonderful acts like Narayan. Hmm? So they thought, he's uh, uh, like Narayan to some extent, but Narayan's not like him. Hmm? And so their vision was whenever he would perform anything miraculous, that, oh, Narayan is doing that. God is doing that through him. But he's just our friend. He's just our son. So you see in the Leela, for example, when he performs extraordinary activities like the lifting of Govardhan Hill, then all the cowards are there with their sticks helping him, thinking we better help him out because he, you know, he's just our friend and so forth. And so, so this is something about the nature of their love and the Gaudiya idea hmm, of Krishna's two Bhagavan Swayam, which we were studying, reading about, we were discussing in the Brahma Vimohan Leela, that Krishna is the source of everything. This source is the most, is where we, the, the, the manifestation of the deity, of the God with whom we can be most intimate. That uh, manifestation of the divinity that speaks most compellingly to human society, that the very human heart, if you read it carefully, is talking about. This is not just some book subject. The human heart, as I'm explaining, is talking about it. Hmm? That's why this Bhagavatam is called Nirgrantha. It's beyond books. Sukadev was beyond books, as I said. The naked boy, but still he studied it. Hmm? Because itam butagono hari. Such is the nature of hari. Hmm? Such is his character. Hmm? So the idea is here that gradually, you, 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 it, it, this is not a, a, like a, a faith, a belief. This is, a, this is a, an examination as to the nature of the human experience and the logical conclusions that really deep uh, thinkers who think thinking is limited. Hmm? Reason has its limit. It has no place on the altar. It can serve the altar of faith. Hmm? It can be an altar boy. <laughs> that was a Catholic. But it can't, it's, not, it's, not, it can't, it's not to be set on the altar and worshipped. No. Hmm? The self, the atma, what to speak of the paramatma, is not going to appear in the court of reason. You're not going to, if you hold a court of reason, is there a consciousness? Is, is there God? They're not going to show up. They're self-evident. Hmm? And if your reason is so bad that you can't see it, then you know, then you can sit in court and make your decisions, whatever. But we're not going to show up there. So it's it's ontologically, categorically different from reasoning. So I could say say. Reason has its real beauty that when it becomes an attendant of faith. And faith means that we hear these things from, from uh, experiencers and we get some, we start, we, we identify with, I, I like that, I feel, I, I agree. That I, you are saying, like, that makes sense to me. What, it means, what that means is like, you're saying things that I really feel. I really feel those things. I agree with your articulating what I couldn't articulate it, but it's, but it's not foreign to me. It's not you're giving me something I don't don't know in a sense. You're you're talking. You're like my own heart talking to me. It feels comforting. It's like 
I feel at home. For home going, we need a home knowing person who can speak and hit home. You can say that hit home. Home is in the heart. Vishnu Sarva Gatashaya Guha. Vishnu we said he's hidden in the heart. This these kind of gatherings are meant to bring him out, to give birth to Krishna. So this is the Janmashtami idea. Hmm? Thank you very much. Hare Krishna. Any question? What's the time? Not bad. It's time for the next event almost, right? Isn't it? This is the last of our talk, enough for the talking. Now we have to practice, put it into practice. So we have the sacred bath of uh, this Govardhan. Govardhan is on the right. See that figure on the right there, far right? I think he's dressed in orange, right? So this is a stone, big stone, from the hill, Govardhan in Vrindavan, Krishna's playground. And this thought, the stone from there is a representation of, of himself. So devotees take the stone and they decorate him and so forth. And then there's a certain way that they worship him, yogic worship in the mornings and so forth. So we bring him out here and bathe him in milk and yogurt and ghee and honey and sweet water and so forth, accompanied with kirtan and so forth. And this uh, represents the auspicious bathing uh, of the of Krishna at the time of his birth. We do it a little earlier than midnight to have everything to work out. And then, and then after that follows the midnight arctic, which is the time of Krishna's appearance. Then Prashad, and the next morning, we'll gather for Prabhupada's appearance day. We speak something about uh, Prabhupada, who you know came to the West and made these ideas available to us all. So we are so much indebted to him for that. Srila Prabhupada ki jai, Sri Krishna Janmastami, Mahatsapatiti ki jai, Grantara Srimad Bhagavata ki jai, Gaur Bhakta Vrinda ki jai, Gaur Premanande.